I, uh, this series, um, frequently asked questions or you ask and we answer has been incredible. I, uh, maybe you've heard this statement from a teacher or a coach. They'll say something like, there's no such thing as a, as a, a dumb question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. The only dumb question is the one that doesn't get asked. How many of you have heard something like that? You've heard, yeah, we, we all heard something like that probably. I'm here to tell you, that's not exactly true, okay? I, I've actually debunked that. I've proven you can ask stupid questions. I can ask stupid questions. It happened, well, it's happened multiple times. I'll give you one story. In college, I, uh, I uh, went to a class, business math, I liked, I liked the business part, hated the math part. It wasn't good. So uh, the first day of, of class, I step into business math. First day, right? And, and the teacher comes in, and he says, I want you to clear your desk. And I'm like, okay. And he says, we're going to have a test. And I'm like, what kind of a psychopath is this? Who, who does it? I don't even, what? So, so I got nervous, and I've shared this once before, but it's been a while, so you might know what's coming. It's not good. Um, but I was getting nervous about it. I just got really anxious uh, because test and I wasn't ready and all this stuff. And I'm sitting by these girls and I don't know them. And, uh, you know, you want to make a good impression. So I, uh, my stomach starts to really turn. And uh, for me, back then for sure, I've gotten better, praise God. But when my stomach got real nervous, you know, sometimes, you know, noises, noises would shoot out my back end. Okay? I don't know how else to say it. It, it was just like a torpedo. And uh, so I didn't want the torpedoes to go off. So I, I remember sitting there and I was like, oh no, this is not good. And I, I stood up, you know, and I walked up to the teacher. I had no idea what I was going to say. No idea. I was just trying to calm the storm in the stomach. And I was walking up there and I don't know how I looked, but I imagined it was something like this, you know? Um, so I got up, kind of the penguin. I got up there and I'm like, and then I realized I'm up there standing in front of the class. And I'm like, oh my God. And my stomach is feeling better. And I'm like, and he goes, can I help you? And I said, uh, uh, yeah, like the questions, like, what, what, what kind of, how are we supposed to, like, what are you looking for? And he looked at me and he said, he said, they're true or false. And I'm like, oh, oh, the T is for true and the F. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So I, I said, stupidest question. And then he stops the class. He says, class. Uh, this gentleman was asking about the, the, I'm like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't bring it up. They don't need to know. He told them he doesn't know. So it's true or false. And I was like, getting ready for the torpedoes to go. They didn't. Thank God. It was terrible. Hor horrendous experience. You can imagine the trauma. Can you? Maybe you can't. Well, my counselor can. So um, it wasn't good. So there are stupid questions. I've asked them. Fortunately, I can tell you this. The questions that we've had come in for the series are not that. They have been solid, spot on. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you, if you missed last weekend, like if you slept in, like you heathen, by the way. But anyway, if you slept in, here are the questions from last weekend. you got to go back and watch or listen if, if, if these intrigue you. Uh, is Easter even in the Bible? Right? We answered that. Uh, if we're saved through Jesus, then, then what about the billions of people that lived before Jesus ever came to earth? How are they saved or are they? Good question. Um, why is God waiting so long? The world's messed up. We want Jesus to come back and save us and rapture us and, you know, end this thing so we can be in heaven. Why does he keep waiting, right? And then, of course, maybe the most theologically astute question, uh, what is Jesus' favorite ice cream? We answered that question last week. Some of you, you, you want to know that answer? You need to watch the message. This week, we are going to jump right in. Today is what's known as, in many circles in church world, is known as what? Palm Sunday. It's known as Palm Sunday, the Sunday before 
the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, the question is very appropriate. Why is it called Palm Sunday? What does that even mean? We go to the scriptures, which is where we always go for our answers. In the Gospel of John, John, arguably one of the closest people to Jesus, uh, he, he noted, he said, in John 12, verse 12, he says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. I mean, it was a big deal. Jesus was, the, Jesus was all that at, at this moment. Huge crowds following. A large crowd of Passover visitors. Remember, Passover is, is what they were celebrating at this time. They would gather once a year and celebrate the Passover celebration. If you don't know what Passover is, watch last week's message. Um, they took palm branches, here you go, and they went down the road to meet him. They shouted as Jesus came in, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. It continues. So, so I'll pause there for a second. If you, uh, other gospels along with John will say they took palm branches. And if you read the other gospels, they took their coats as well. And they laid the palm branches and their coats on, on the, right on the road. And then Jesus rode over them. It says right here in verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and he rode on it. And that fulfilled a prophecy way back hundreds of years earlier that, that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. He's riding on a donkey's colt. So Palm Sunday, they took palm branches, they put them on the ground, and it ushers in Jesus riding on a donkey. And, and, and that story always gets me because you, you got to understand something. As pastors, we get all worked up sometimes over, especially this week, leading up to Easter, because it's a big week. And, you know, we want people to uh, bring others, and we want people to come to know Christ, and we want the outreach to go well, and we want uh, all the events to go good. So we put all this pressure on ourselves. and I heard a story of a pastor doing that, and his mentor was like, listen, listen. You're, you're putting way too much pressure on you, okay? It, like, like, you're not Jesus. You're, you're the pastor. He said, he said you're, you're the donkey. And the pastor's like, what do you mean I'm the donkey? He said, you're, you're just the ass that brings pe- Jesus to the people. That's all you are, okay? Welcome to Meadows. Okay, that is King James right there. So if you're like appalled, that's King James. You gotta read it. So open your Bible. So <laughs> you're just the, that brings Jesus to the people. That's all I am, and I gotta accept that. Question number two. Question number two, why does it say Jesus rose in three days when Friday to Sunday is at best 48 hours? It's a good question. So uh, all four of the Gospels say the same thing. They say that Jesus rose um, uh, on the first day of the week. That would be Sunday. Uh, and it says after the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath isn't, wasn't always Sunday, right? We changed that. But the Sabbath is traditionally uh, Saturday. So like I'll give you one of the Gospels. It says... Matthew 28, 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, okay, after the Sabbath, after Saturday, as the first day of the week, Sunday, began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and another Mary went to the tomb. All the Gospels say the same thing. You can read all four of them. They'll they'll tell you the exact. So we know it was that Sunday when Jesus rose up. So, but okay, back to pastor. What about the three days? In fact, it's not just three days. Jesus said three days and three nights. So that's even crazier, because there's no way Friday to Sunday is three days and three nights. Um, where does it say it? Uh, Matthew 12, 40. This is Christ speaking. For as Jonah was in the three days and nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This makes no sense. There's no way Friday to Sunday is three days. I, I don't get it. Well, that's why we're answering the question. So it, back in this day, the first thing you need to understand is this. Part of a day was considered a full day. 
Okay, that's the first thing you need to know, but that's just the beginning of it. Part of a day was counted as one day. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a book in the uh, Old Testament called Esther. Esther was a, a great woman of God, a Jewish woman, married to a king, and uh, the, the story's insane. You've got to read the book. Uh, her cousin Mordecai and her, they find out that the bad guy in the story, Haman, uh, he was like the Hitler of back then. He wanted to like wipe out the entire Jewish community. And they got wind of it, and, and just listen to, and I'm, I'm talking about three days and three nights. That's why I'm setting this up. In Esther 4.15, then Esther sent a reply to her cousin, Mordecai. Go and gather all the Jews and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. That's key. My maids and I will do the same. And then right in the very next verse, in the next chapter, it says this. On the third day of the fast, Esther puts on her royal robe and entered the inner courts to go to the king. Well, that doesn't make sense. Esther, you said three days and three nights, but yet on the, th you should have went the fourth day, because that's, but it's not. I'm telling you, the, uh, the part of a day counts as a full day. The other thing you need to understand about uh, uh, back in that time, the day didn't start, like when you, when you woke up in the morning. Do you know when day started? It started at sundown the previous day. So that's how you can get nights, uh, you know what, it's getting confusing. Let's put up the graph. This, I think, she will spell it out, right? So, here we go. Remember Thursday, the Last Supper, we gather together. Jesus goes out to the garden, and he prays, and he prays, and he prays, and then he gets arrested. So Thursday um, happens, Jesus is arrested, and, and Friday starts at the, end of at the sundown on Thursday. So, on Friday, so Jesus gets arrested, he doesn't sleep. He's arrested, he gets tried. This happens in a matter of hours, you guys. He goes in front of Pilate, and then they're like, I don't know, take him to Herod. He goes in front of Herod, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, take him back to Pilate. He's going back and forth, back and forth. That's all happening on Friday. Finally, Friday, they say he's guilty. We're going to kill him. And they kill Jesus. They put him on a cross at 9 in the morning. So this is still Friday, right? Uh, Friday, he's nailed up there at 9, and he hangs there for 6 hours until 3 in the afternoon. So it's still Friday, right? But Friday's coming to a close because remember, Saturday starts at sundown. So, uh, and Saturday is what? You remember what day it is? The Sabbath. And they don't do anything on the Sabbath. That's a day of rest and a day of reflection. So they got to get Jesus off the cross quickly, wrap him up, anoint him the best they can, and chuck him in the tomb because they've only got a few hours before the sun goes down and they can't do anything. So they do that, and then Saturday begins. Well, Saturday's a pretty, Saturday's a no-brainer, right? We know that that was a full day, night and day. So you've got, and remember the, the night starts first. So you see Friday, there was, night already happened because night began at sundown Thursday. So night's done. The day is Jesus hung there till three in the afternoon. The next day, he's in the tomb the entire time. And then Sunday morning, of course, night starts at what? It starts at sundown on Saturday. So the night on Sunday has already taken place because it started on Saturday night. Is anybody confused yet? I mean, take a picture of this and just take it home. So, uh, I'm getting confused. So, starts on uh, sundown on Saturday, and of course, the day, as the sun comes up, it says what? Some women went to the tomb. So, you can see here by this amazing chart that it was three days and three nights that Jesus technically was, um, as he said, in the earth. So, that's, that's where we get three days and three nights. The night actually is what comes first, and that's, you know, if you're not confused yet, come back next week and I'll try again. So that's, that, I'm just telling, that's how it happened. So it is three days, it's three nights, it's a fact. Next question. So why is it such a big deal for Jesus to be dead for three days? 
Like all over scripture, I should have counted, I wish I would have, but I bet there's 15 to 20 times where Jesus says, on the third day, on the third day, uh, I'll be in the earth three days and three nights. He says it over and over and over. Well, the question is, why, why is Jesus waiting three days? Jesus, if you're dead, you're dead. We know you're dead. Why not just rise the next day? Heck, why not just rise an hour later and get about the Father's business? Why do we gotta, why three days? Why is it such a, such a big deal? Really two pieces to this. The first answer to the question is this. So the unbelieving Jews could not deny that Jesus was truly dead. This was a culture thing. Understand something. According to Jewish custom, a person wasn't considered dead until after three days. So the Talmud, which is a, a kind of a, a, a sacred Jewish text, a compilation of ancient teachings, uh, this is what it says in regard to that. It's actually a quote right out of the book. It says, we go out to the cemetery and examine the dead to, to see if they're still alive and if they've been buried by mistake. And my first thought is, that was an issue? Like, seriously, you're burying people like, that are alive? That's a problem, okay? That's just one more reason I want to get cremated, okay? I'm, I'm telling you now, if it's not in my will, I want to get cremated. But for God's sakes, make sure I'm dead before you shove me in the furnace, okay? I don't want... This is terrible. I cannot believe there are... Anyway, so um, <laughs> this is... Fu it's not funny, but as I, I, as I go through the messages, I've always got people that I, I run to them with. And as we were talking about this, we, we got on the subject of how we might die. And I asked, the, I asked the group, I said, if you knew how you were going to die or if you could know how you, know, you were going to go out, would you want to know? And they're like, nope, nope. Both of them said, nope, I don't want to know. And I said, well, what if, if you had a choice, uh, if you could die by fire or drowning, you know, this is the joyous conversations we have. Anyway, so if you could die by fire or drowning, which would it be? And <laughs> you guys are shouting. So here's what we, we all came to a consensus and agreement on this, that we would want to go out by fire if it was the smoke that took us out, Right? So if it's the inhalation, the smoke, we pass out, that's how we want to go. Um, if it's the fire that's actually like burning us up, we would go to the drowning. That's, we all agreed that drowning would be better. Can I agree? I don't want either. I already told God. I just want to go, like, I want to go peaceful in my sleep, right? Just like my grandfather did, okay? Not like the screaming passengers in his car, you know what I'm saying? I just want, I want it to be different. I'm kidding. He didn't go out that way. That was a joke. Okay, so, <laughs> that's, okay. So, anyway. Um, what was, oh yeah, so, so the Jew, it was a Jewish, like, you remember, do you know why they were so riled up at Palm Sunday? Do you remember why they were so adamant to start, they, they knew they wanted to kill Jesus? You know what had just happened? What just happened before Palm Sunday? Jesus had just raised, raised Lazarus from the dead. That's the event that really, that really ticked him off. That's when the, that's when the religious people said, we got to kill this guy. This is insane. He's, it's out of control. So do you remember how long Jesus waited? Four days. Why would Jesus wait four days to raise Lazarus? Because he knew. If he did it earlier, if he does it in two days, well, they're going to say Lazarus was never dead. Because their custom was, it's got to be at least three days. So that's why. So that's number one. Number two, because three days is what Jesus himself prophesied. If Jesus said it, you can trust it. If Jesus said it, if Jesus said it, you can trust it. You can trust it. Over and over and over, Jesus said, three days, three days. And three, it seems to be significant in the word of God. Not just in the resurrection, but in a lot of things. Like if you think about it, the Trinity, 
is what we believe. We believe that, that God is like three people in one. It can be confusing, but he is the Father, and he's also the Son, and he's also the Holy Spirit. And, and he, so he's three persons in one God. Say three. Three. He's three. So like Noah had three sons. They built a big boat, and it had three decks on it. Did you know that? Moses, when Moses was born, they hid Moses for three months. Did you know that? It, it, Jonah, you've already heard about Jonah. He was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Okay, that's gross, but it's true. It's, it happened, three days and three nights. The wise men, they bought three, three gifts to Jesus. Jesus' ministry lasted three years. Jesus had the inner three, Peter, James, and John, who were the closest disciples to Jesus. One of those disciples, named Peter, denied Jesus. How many times? Three times, you're getting it. Jesus was 33 years old when he died on the cross. Oh, but guess what happened three days later? I'm telling you, we're not waiting until next week to celebrate what God's already done. The tomb was empty yesterday. The tomb is empty today. And the tomb will be empty tomorrow. That's worth celebrating. That's what it's about. Oh, by the way, Mary and Joseph don't want, want me to tell you this, but they actually lost Jesus for three days. Yeah. When Jesus was 12 years old, his parents lost him. Can you imagine? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Can you imagine them? At, like, like Joseph is the stepdad, right? God's the real dad, and there's Mary. So can you imagine that night? Like little Jesus isn't in his little twin bed. that We don't know where he is. And they're like praying to God. God, uh, yeah, Mary and Joseph here. Um, you know, I guess if you could uh, kind of guide us to, to Jesus. Now, we're not saying he's lost. We're not, we're not, well, well, he's lost, God. We're morons. Okay, help us, you know. It's like, how do you pray that? Three days. So, see, you're not that bad. They didn't win parent of the year. You still could. So, next question. The, okay. Oh, this is good. God could have, he, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. God could have chosen any way to save us, right? When we went amiss, and hopefully you know that you've gone amiss, you've gone astray, you've sinned. God could have chosen any way he wanted. Why in the world would God choose for his own son to die? Like, God, you, this is your plan. This is your creation. This is your world. We're your people. You could choose anything. God Rather than choosing Jesus to die, why wouldn't you say, you know what? All the mosquitoes must die. And then my people, I mean, that would make more sense. Why would you say, okay, my, my, my son, my only son. Why? You could have, you, the, this is you writing the narrative. Okay, this is a great question. To, to, to unpack this question, we got, we've got to go back to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and really look at the nature of what God set up. For, for the original Israelites, the people that uh, Moses led out of Egypt. Um, okay, I'll read the scripture first and then I'll just give you some context. In Hebrews 9, 16, it kind of sums up why. It, it, it's the be beginning here. It says, uh, the author wrote this. When someone leaves a will, right, or just a regular will, it's necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead, right? It goes into effect only after that person dies, if the person that made it still alive, it can't be put into effect. So what, 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 what the author is saying right away is to get the benefits of what's in the will, right? To get an inheritance if there is one. Well, the person that made, made the will has got to die, right? They've got to be dead. 
Otherwise, it's just, it's just not there yet. That's what he's saying. That's it. So that is why even when the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal, for after Moses had read each of God's commandments, you know, the Ten Commandments, after Moses read each one to all the people, he took blood of calves and goats, so along with water, that's significant, by the way. You'll, you'll see that. And he sprinkled both the book of God's law and the people with the branches and uh, scarlet wool. Can you imagine them doing laundry? It must have been a nightmare. They have got blood everywhere, all over their clothes. And then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God made with you. In the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle, everything used for worship, everything. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. And it's the last sentence I'm really trying to get to. It's this. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So, so without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So in the Old, in the old Covenant, in the Old Testament, every year that the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where he would be in the presence of God, it was different. Not anybody could do that, just he could do that. And he would, he would sprinkle blood, just like they're talking about, of the, of the goats and the animals to, to atone or cover the sins of the people for a year. And then the next year, they kill the animals, do it again. He brings the blood in, sprinkles it and does it, and covers the sins again. It's what they did. Because blood is what brought forgiveness. That's just the way it is. I'll say it a different way. The wages for sin, Romans says in 623, the wages, the consequences for us doing bad things, is death. That's, that's what it is. So, so death or sin equals death. We can't deny that. It's a fact. Sin equals death. If sin equals death then blood would equal life. So the, the blood in your body is what gives you life. You get that, right? So like if you get in an accident, God forbid, and you're bleeding out, the first thing the paramedics are gonna do is try to stop the bleeding. Because if they don't stop the bleeding, you're gonna die. Because there's, there's life in blood. There's death in sin. Do you see the correlation? So we go back to Romans 3. Everyone, okay, I, I was gonna have you raise your hand like, if you've sinned, raise your hand. But there's always some guy that's going to keep his hands down and not raise them no matter what. Okay, welcome to church, Jesus. Glad you're here, you know. So, I, you, you've sinned. Okay, I, I've sinned. I mean, I probably have in the last 10 minutes. I don't even know. So, well, you said anyway. So, um, <laughs> it's King James. Uh, for everyone, everyone, say everyone. Do you know what everyone literally means in the Greek? Every freaking one. Okay? I'm just kidding. That's the Monty Living Translation. But anyway, it's everyone has sinned. We all, say all, we all fall short. Most of us get this, right? We, we, we fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace, lean in for this, freely makes us right in his sight. He did it through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice. It had to be Jesus, you see. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. The animals that they brought in the Old Testament, they had to be the best of the best. They had to be as perfect as perfect can be for an animal in a fallen world. That's what they had to bring because that's the only thing that would, that would, that would suffice to cover them even for a year. It had to be a perfect sacrifice that Jesus, we're made right with God when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The blood is key. The blood is key. The blood is life and sin is death. God is holy. Most of us understand God is holy. He can have nothing to do with sin. If we're, if we're blemished or sinful in any way, we can never enter into the presence of God for eternity. We can't, it can't happen. 
but, but God loves us so much. I, I wrote down this way. God, God could have nothing to do with sin, but he wants a lot to do with you. He wants a lot to do with you. Many of us have trouble understanding this. Not, not because we, having trouble understanding like why Jesus had to die. And it's not because we don't understand the holiest, holiness of God. I think it's because we don't understand the gravity of our sin. We don't understand like the, the depravity of, of, of the magnitude. I wrote this down. I said in this world where, where so much sin is accepted and even celebrated. That's the world that you and I live in. It's easy to believe that we're not that bad, right? I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Well, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, that's probably not good because the road is narrow and few will take it. Without the sacrifice of Jesus, we would be without hope and without forgiveness. In Isaiah, it even says our most righteous things we do are like filthy rags. And those are the best things we do. On our very best days, we deserve death. That's... mm. If there's good news, that's not it. That would be the opposite of good news. But it's what makes the good news so good. That's what makes the good news so good. We, I'll, I'll put this up on the screen. We did nothing to earn our forgiveness. But we did everything to deserve our punishment. Didn't we? I did. The things I did in my addiction, the things I do outside my addiction. My God, I know what I deserve. That's why I'm so grateful for the gift that we're given. We did nothing to earn it. Jesus didn't die because, like, we're good. He died because he is good. Do you get it? But yet there are people watching right now, watching online. There are people here today, and you don't, think you're, you don't think you deserve the forgiveness of God. You don't think you're worthy. Why? Because of the things that maybe you're done or the things that you're doing. Well, thank God your value doesn't rest on what you've done, but instead it rests on what God has done. You want to know what you're worth? You're worth the blood of Jesus. Romans 3.23, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. If you hear nothing else, hear this. And this is true for everyone. Shout everyone. Everyone who believes, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, the blood of Jesus can cover you and set you free. This is what he does. God wants to set somebody free. I'm a, you know what? I've got one last question here, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for next week. (laughs) You guys aren't used to getting out of church this early, I know, so I'll stall for a little bit, but um, so I want to create space today. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something supernatural in you. So the last question, I'm going to tell you what it is so you know what's coming next week. And then um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to what we just read in Romans, how Christ can save you today. And then we're going to pray. I don't even know. This is like unplanned. So we're just going to, I think we'll pray like just where we're at. Yeah, the the team can come up. Um, The question we'll probably start with next week is the one that I had ready for today. This is debatable. You might think, well, duh, he did. But this is what many even really smart people will debate. Did Jesus really die on the cross? Like, we don't doubt that Jesus died, but many will say that it didn't happen in the way that the the Bible depicts. Did he really die on the cross? I'm not going to give you any details because we're saving that for next week. But 
I will give you the short answer. Yes. He did. But the bigger question would be this. Because understand something. Thousands died on a cross. Jesus wasn't the only one crucified. Thousands were killed on a cross. Did you know that? So that's not even the, we'll, we'll address it next week, but that's not even the biggest question. The biggest question is, did he really rise from the dead? I mean, did this, did this, did this guy resurrect himself? No one's done that ever. Is that true? I'll give you the short answer. Even though we'll unpack it next week in detail, it is. He did. It's the greatest miracle in history. Everything we do as a church centers around that event. Everything. If the event didn't happen, you and I are hopeless, helpless, and dead. Dead. When we're done, it's done. But the short answer is this. When Jesus, or excuse me, when Mary and Mary and these women went to the tomb on that Sunday morning after that third night and they were into the third day because it was three days and it was three nights, when the women went to the tomb, it was empty. And it's not because Jesus was never there. It's not because like someone stole the body. It's because the man named Jesus who is in love with you brought himself back to life. And I'll say what I've always said. If a man can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he can take what's dead inside of you and he can bring it back to life. Shout if you believe it. Give God praise if you believe it. I pray we invite. I pray that we will get people here, no matter what it takes. This is it. Many of you are parents, grandparents. Let's go back to when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for a few days. Can you really imagine? I wrote it down. If your kid was missing, think about it. Just pause and think about that today. Your child, regardless of their age, you go home and your child's gone. Your spouse is like, I don't know, I thought you had him. Oh my God, I thought you had him. And you have no idea where they are. I want you to pause and think about it. Think about what would be going on inside of you. You, 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 you can't even fathom hardly thinking about it as a parent, as a grandparent. You can't. I can't. Here's what I know about you and me. We would spend the rest of our lives looking for that child. You would. Your job wouldn't matter so much anymore. Okay? Your, your, your usual little routine wouldn't matter anymore. Day and night, you would search. The Bible says that when we screw up, we're lost. Can you imagine the father frantically, God, I want him to come home. God, I want him to come home. God, I want him to come home. He's God. He knows where we're at, but he can't force us to come home. To, to, to him, we're lost. And he says, I'll do whatever. I, I'll stop everything. I'll do everything. Jesus, 
you gotta die. You gotta, you gotta, we gotta, I gotta get my kids home. I gotta get my kids home. My daughter's gone. My son's gone. You would do whatever it takes. How much more is the love of the Father? How much more? This is so big. My prayer as we, as we worship in song and then pray together is that God is going to do something in our heart to give us this burden, this desire to reach out. And here's the key. For, for somebody here today, more than one, and certainly watching online, you're the lost one. You, not because you're a bad person. Remember, this has nothing to do with you being good or bad. There's a lot of bad people that are going to heaven, not because they're good or bad, but because they're saved, covered by the grace of God. This is the, this is the craziest thing about our faith, this Christian faith that we would acknowledge, is that most other religions, it's up to them. You, you, I don't have time to go through them with you, but you can look at Buddha, you can look at Buddhism, Hinduism. It's all up to them. This isn't up to you. It's all, all you need to do is receive it by your faith. Somebody here, you walk in here lost, and today God wants you to be found. Online. You know what you can type this week? Let's switch it up. Just type, find me. Find me. If you type those words in the comments, we will connect with you directly and celebrate with you because I guarantee if you want to be found, he will find you. He's, he, he desperately wants to find you. He desperately wants to find you. And in the room, my prayer every week is that you will indicate on a card. I pray we have a stack of cards this big full of prayer requests, full of uh, decisions for Christ, recommitments. Some of you, you've gotten off track like me. I, I mean, we all have. And honestly, some of you, you know you've gotten off track by the way that you live. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. God's not mad at you. He is in love with you. You're just a lost child that he is desperate to hug, love, and welcome home. It's all he wants. That's why he would send his son. That's why he sent Jesus. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Only the blood of a spotless lamb. Not some temporal lamb, but a spotless lamb that never dies. I pray that you'll make a decision, whatever God's telling you to do. My, my, my prayer every week, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that the people, including the pastor, will do whatever you tell us to do. If we do that, like Mila said, when you do what Jesus says, I mean, do what Jesus says. You, you won't, he'll never lead you astray. We're gonna worship in song, I'm gonna pray for you. And then after the song, the prayer team will just be walking through the aisles. But here's what I want you to do. I just want you to gather together with one or two people. You might know them. You might not know them. They might be behind you, in front of you. And, and, and my God, if you feel tense or nervous, I'm telling you, that's probably when you need to lean in the most. You don't grow in comfort. We need prayer. I need prayer. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Let's pray for the lost people. Father, the Super Bowl of Sundays. I say that, but you know what, God? Here's what I think. Every day is a Super Bowl. When you're in Christ, every day is a day that we can love like you. Every day is a day that we can try to live like you. Every day is a day that we can invite like you. Every day is a day that we can, we can listen like you, that we can lean in like you. The truth is we don't have to wait till a certain day of the calendar year to celebrate the greatest miracle in history. But, but here's another fact, God. You know that this, this day on the calendar that, that's coming up, 
It is when a lot of people that aren't into you are a little bit receptive and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do the church thing and then we'll do the family thing and then we'll do the, you know, whatever. So God, I, I believe you want your church to take advantage of anything and everything that we can for your kingdom. My prayer is that you'll give us such a burden so deep in our heart that we will pick at least one person and that invite card that was on our chair, the anointed by the Holy Spirit himself, that we will give to somebody. Not because it's a duty, not because, well, the pastor said, no, because our heart is desperate to see lost people come home. We, this world is not our home, God. Remind us again and again and again that our days are limited. They're fleeting and we don't even know if tomorrow's gonna come for us. We don't know. So help us max out today. God, for the people that are suffering and hurting today, people, people here today, people watching online, God, intersect, intervene in their lives. I pray right now that they're going to be sitting by somebody and that somebody will turn to them and they're going to pray for them during our time of prayer. That they will lift them up or that the person who's suffering will say, listen, I'm struggling. I'm dying on the inside. Will you pray for me? I don't even know you, but will you pray for me? Here's what I know. That person will pray for them. And here's what I also know, God. There is power in prayer. Father, I thank you for the greatest miracle in history. The miracle wasn't the crucifixion. The miracle is the resurrection. I mean, if a guy can do that, he can change us. He can save us. He can set us free. We just have to sell out to it, God, by faith. I pray that people will, by faith, surrender their lives to Jesus. We are saved by no other way. There is no other route. The Son of God is the only way to not just life on purpose, this side of heaven, but eternity on the other side. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We love the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's life in the blood of Jesus. God, send your spirit. May we do what you tell us to do. If we do, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say,